We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Ready? Down! Hood, 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 hood! This is the Bear Report Podcast with Zach Pearson, Zach Pearson, and Aaron Lemming, Aaron Lemming, providing extensive coverage of the Chicago Bears. Go Bears! Presented by Blue Wire Pods. And now, here are your hosts, Zach Pearson and Aaron Lemming. What's up, Bears fans? Welcome to another edition of the Bear Report Podcast. Training camp is almost here and the offseason is almost over as there will be football played in uh, just under a month now. The uh, preseason starts in a couple weeks. But before that, the Chicago Bears have to return or have to report to training camp next week. And we're here to break it all down for you. I'm your host, Zach Pearson. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Aaron Lemming. And Aaron, man, it's finally to that point where we'll have actual football stuff to talk about, practices that matter and then soon enough tra- or, um, preseason games that will matter as well it's crazy man yeah we're finally finally getting that time of year it's funny i was just talking to somebody about this the other day it's really weird that you know the white Sox are in contention for the playoffs which is something that hasn't happened quite a while this time of year and football is happening and it just i don't know it, it, and the nba playoffs extended which is really obviously because of covid and how everything was delayed like this is just a it feels like there's a lot more going on in the sports world right now leading in the training camp than there normally is. But I mean, either way, I think we can, I think we can both agree. I mean, these last two off seasons have been really damn long and you can only talk about the same thing so many times. And especially, you know, obviously there's a lot of excitement around Justin Fields. I mean, not to downplay that by any means, but at the same time, you can only talk about the same things with Justin Fields and the quarterback competition and everything else before it actually plays out you know after a while it just get, it kind of gets tired so it's it's amazing that we're finally you know approaching training camp uh looks like you know a lot of fans are already getting turned down for the dates that they wanted so it's going to be very interesting to see how that goes for training camp but the good news is is preseason's really not that far away i mean we're we're under a month away from preseason i mean we're what actually a little over three weeks from the first game we're a little what, three and a half weeks away from the first game and then i think the what is it? The, uh, the Hall of Fame game is even before that. So we're like, basically, I, I think we're, what, almost two weeks away from the Hall of Fame game and preseason getting underway. It's just, I don't know, man. I'm just, I'm glad the offseason's over with and at least we can, you know, progress into talking about things that are actually happening in real time. 
Yeah, and with no preseason last year and training camps essentially starting in mid-August, um, it does feel like this has kind of flown by, and it's like, wow, okay. Um, preseason games are, what, the first – or August 14th or the first one, and then the Hall of Fame game is right before then. So <clears throat> it's good, man. It's it's really good. I'm excited. Um, I'm very interested to get – to see what's going on at Bears camp. And I'm excited to get back because they are going to let some of the media into Hallis Hall and in-person press conferences will be resuming again. And for those who are probably like, well, it doesn't really bother or affect me. It is so much better this way because we have a better chance of getting our questions answered and called on. And it's nothing against PR departments or anything like that. It's just Zoom. It's so hard for everyone, the players, PR, the reporters, coaches, it's a mess and to be able to be back in house hall is definitely something I'm looking forward to. And I think it's going to be an exciting training camp because the bears have, you know, something of hope with quarterback, Justin Fields and whether or not he does start um, week one in Los Angeles, or if he's behind Andy Dalton, I think it's going to be a fun training camp and all eyes are going to be on that quarterback battle. And, you know, our job on this podcast is to kind of give you our preview of training camp. We're not going to do kind of a traditional, we're going to go position by position. So we're going to kind of touch on the biggest storylines because there'll be so much content coming out with training camp starting next week. And, you know, it'll just be a good listen for our viewers to kind of get our take on the storylines. Before we get into that, though, I did want to talk about something today um, that does kind of impact the Chicago Bears. And I know you saw it as well, but the San Francisco 49ers made Fred Warner the highest paid off-ball linebacker in NFL history. I think he had a five-year deal. I think it was like 90, was it 90 point? Or was it was 90, 95 million. 95, yeah, 95 million. million with a like a little over 40 million guaranteed. That's a $19 million a year. That's a big deal. That's a lot of money. And that's important because it impacts the Bears and their situation with Roquan Smith. They picked up the fifth year option on him. And now the next step is to get a contract extension. And you look, you look at Fred Warner, you look at Darius Leonard, you look at Roquan Smith, and eventually Devin White as well. It's not going to be cheap for the Bears to re-sign Roquan Smith. And I think, you know, Fred Warner kind of set the floor price there at the 19 mil a year. Um, You know, I can't imagine Roquan Smith goes to the negotiation table or his side and says, oh, we want, you know, 17 million a year. We want 18 million a year. I think he's going to use a 19 million as a floor. And personally, I think he's going to get 19.5 or 20 million a year. Yeah, well, it, it, so it becomes an interesting situation, right? Because all of these guys between Darius Leonard, who's also rumored to be close to a deal, I think he's going to do four years because I think he's a little bit – he's either younger or older. I can't remember how that works out, but then Warner. Uh, but he's looking at a four-year deal probably right around $19, 20000000 million as well. So here's the thing, though. With Leonard and with, with Warner – they weren't first round picks, so they didn't get a fifth year option like Roquan Smith. The Bears have a, you know, now it's looking like a very affordable fifth year option. Uh, you know, they have this year of control in 2021, and then they got next year of control in 2022. Now, obviously, that doesn't mean that they have to wait all that time. We saw the same thing happen with Kyle Long a few years ago, where they actually agreed to an extension in his fourth year before he even hit the fifth year option. Um, so, but what what this brings up is there's no pressure 
on Roquan Smith's side to make a deal happen, right? Because you're going to see, like you just pointed out, maybe Fred Warner's been more consistent. Maybe Darius Leonard's been more consistent and a little bit better overall. But as we've seen within the free agent market and just how contracts play out, once a player sets the market, then other players are trying to go over it, even if they're not as good. I mean, you could look at receiver, you can look at quarterback. Well, I guess outside of Patrick Mahomes, but you know, if you look at the overall stair step with a quarterback position over the last, you know, five to seven years. I mean, at one point, Jay Cutler was the highest paid quarterback in the league. And at no point was he ever the best quarterback in the league. And that's not a slam on him. That's just to show you that just because you're the best player at your position at the time that you sign your contract has a lot to do with it. So it's going to be a very interesting situation because obviously the bears didn't spend the number eight overall pick on Roquan Smith to let him play out his fifth year option and walk. I mean, obviously they're going to get something done, but it also brings up an interesting situation because, again, they have Bilal Nichols. And, you know, we've talked about this on the podcast a few different times now where now you're starting to get into that position where you want to shift the money spent on the defensive side of the ball and even it out and pour more into the offensive side of the ball. And obviously getting rid of Kyle Fuller, Akeem Hicks is on the last year of his deal. Technically Bilal Nichols is on the last year of his deal. Uh, you know, Robert Quinn's going to be able to – you're going to be able to move on from him next year. Uh, really Khalil Mack has an out next year. If they wanted to use it, I don't think they will, but just kind of throwing you out some, you know, some numbers here, even the same thing with Eddie Jackson. But again, you're going to have to, at some point, even the tables in terms of what they're spending offensively versus what they're spending defensively is very, very skewed and has been for the last few years. And they're going to want to even the tables out, but that's hard to do if you pay a linebacker and, you know, an off the ball linebacker, 19 to 20 million dollars a year and then i would guess if they end up retaining Bilal nichols then he's going to end up costing anywhere from probably eight to ten million dollars a year as well so again you know you look at these kind of situations and this is where it's going to be very key moving forward for the bears to be able to either get quality veterans at a good price on one-year deals and kind of mix and match kind of like they've been doing at safety in some of these other spots or, you know, in the, in the better, you know, the, the better way of doing this is to obviously draft well with those, you know, those mid round picks and have guys that you can have under very cheap control for four or five years. But yeah, this is, um, it shouldn't be a surprise by any means, but it's definitely interesting because I feel like this is the highest value that off the ball linebackers have had since one of Brian Erlacher's last contracts with the bears, when at one point he was actually a higher paid player over Peyton Manning. And I mean, that was, it goes to show you how long ago that was, but it's been a long time since off the ball linebacker has been valued at, at what it is right now. And it's, it's kind of crazy. I'm not saying it's not. And obviously I think Roquan Smith is worth it, but it's also kind of a sobering experience in the fact that yes, the bears are going to have a little bit more cap space next year. And obviously the cap's going to continue to go up as long as COVID doesn't come back and everybody's able to get in the stands and everything is normalized. But at the same time, it's also kind of crazy to see such a large jump because I mean, before that, uh, you know, the highest paid linebacker in the league was $18 million, but there was a pretty sizable gap between that 18 million and that next player. And now you're going to have a lot of guys grouped up anywhere from that 18 to 20 million. And like you pointed out again, you know, the advantage that Roquan Smith has right now is he watched, uh, you know, he just watched Fred Warner sign that deal. He's going to watch Darius Leonard get a deal done. And he's got the, he's got, well, the bears have the security of the fifth year option, uh, which is fully guaranteed. So he's going to have a little bit more time to where if this if this keeps going or if he has another great year like he did last year, then all of a sudden he could say, hey, I'm better than those guys. I want more money. So, man, it's 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 going to be interesting to see because, again, you know, you got to level those tables out at some point. You got to start shifting some of that money defensively onto the offensive side of the ball. And, you know, it's going to be very interesting to see how this all plays out. And plus, I mean, 
you know, they got holes at receiver too. I mean, the, the, it, for as much, and I've seen this, I've seen this set on Twitter multiple times for as much as people think the bears are going to have a lot more cap flexibility next year. And on paper, it's going to look like they will. Those resources are going to go really fast because of some of the guys that they're going to have to retain and some of the holes that they're going to have to fill. Yeah, and especially at the wide receiver position, too, because it's very likely that Allen Robinson is not coming back after this season. There's just no sense in paying him a, another franchise tag that is going to be worth about $22 million a year. And in terms of Smith, I mean, he pretty much has a leverage here. It's better for his side to wait than it is for the Chicago Bears to wait because, as you said, Darius Leonard's going to get his deal done here, I imagine, pretty soon. And Darius Leonard, in my eyes, is probably going to get more than Fred Warner is going to get. And then Roquan Smith is kind of kind of have to balance, okay, where do I want to set the floor at? And what can I get for, for my play? And, you know, I guess the one thing working in the Bears' advantage, and I don't know, you know, the Bears were able to save a little money um, on that fifth-year option due to Smith not making the Pro Bowl and not being an All-Pro. But the Bears, you know, can essentially say, and as you know, as kind of weird and bad as it sounds, is well, you ha- weren't an All Pro, you weren't a first team All Pro last year, even though, in my eyes, and I think a lot of Bears fans would agree, he had the numbers to be a, a first team All Pro, where Warner has that, has one under his belt, and Darius Leonard has two, and Leonard also has two um, Pro Bowls under his belt as well. But you're right. I mean, the price is going to continue to go up and up and up because of all the revenue, all the deals that are coming in. And it's just the nature of the NFL. And and there's no slowing down either. I I think people think, you know, oh, it's going to eventually hit a cap. It's going to slow down. I mean, we really haven't even seen the gambling money and the betting money come into the league yet. We're just now seeing teams start to partner with sponsors for betting. And within five years, the betting market is going to be where it's going to be crazy insane. And the NFL is going to have a big part in it as well. So these contracts are going to continue to go up and up and up. And, and you know, you're right because you look, if, if, if Roquan Smith does get that 20 mil per year, it'll be him and Cleo Mack as a two defenders getting paid 20 mil a year. And then Eddie Jackson's making a lot of money as well. And eventually you're going to start paying, you know, your offensive players, Looking down the line, I mean, if Justin Fields is the real deal, that's a huge contract. I'm guessing Darnell Mooney might be a big contract, uh, depending on what he does in his sophomore and third seasons in the NFL. And you're going to have to fix some holes as well. The Bears are going to have some cap space next year, but like you said, I mean, they're going to have to fill these holes and they have to go into free agency um, targeting players because they're going to be in a window where they have Justin Fields on pretty much the second year of a rookie deal which is going to be cheap, cheaper than what they're going to have to pay him eventually. So you kind of want to build the talent around him and get your foundation set to get ready to compete in 2022 and 2023 for a legit, you know, as a legit Super Bowl contender. That's the goal. But the money, man, it's going to be tough. It'll be interesting to see how Ryan Pace navigates this water, these waters and what he can do with these contracts. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Let's move on to training camp now because there's a lot to talk about. And speaking of Justin Fields, Aaron, it is obvious the player to watch in training camp is going to be Justin Fields um, by reporters and by fans. And as we sit here on Wednesday night recording this, Matt Nagy said it plenty of times. Andy Dalton's QB1, Justin Fields is QB2. Nick Foles is a really expensive training camp arm. Um, but what Matt Nagy said going into training camp honestly doesn't matter um, because they can promise Andy Dalton you know, the starting job all they want. We've talked about this. This is where it's going to start getting real because if Justin Fields comes out and he, you know, exceeds the bar that was set, which I think is a very, very, very high bar because the Bears can't lose by setting a very, very high bar for him, that this is going to matter. This is it right now. This is where things start to really count and matter, and we're going to get to see all that on the field um, soon. Well, I would say, honestly, the quarterback situation is a whole – you know, even with Andy Dalton is the most interesting battle for obvious reasons, because, you know, the reality of it is, is, and like you just pointed out is it's going to take a lot. It's either going to take an injury or it's going to take just a, you know, and just a godly performance from Justin Fields in training camp in the preseason for him to win the job. Right. But even with that, like if you're, if you're one of those fans who are looking at this season and saying, I think the bears can make the playoffs, then the focus has also got to be on Andy Dalton as well and how he looks. Because if Andy Dalton is, you know, somewhat improved from what they've had over the last few years, which really wouldn't be that hard to do, then all of a sudden you're looking at a situation where, you know, the Bears may go from, you know, I have them projected as an eight-win team right now. They could go from a seven to eight-win team to a nine to ten-win team just from improved quarterback play alone from Andy Dalton. And, you know, it's been said all along. And again, you know, we've talked about this at, you know, at length. Okay, cool. So even if Andy Dalton starts the year, I don't know that there's anybody on God's green earth who follows this team closely enough or has followed the NFL closely enough to sit here and think that just because Andy Dalton starts the year means he's finishing the year. I mean, the, the, the overwhelming odds are that Justin Fields will start a game at some point in time. And Stacy, as Stacy Dales on the NFL network pointed out yesterday, uh, you know, by week nine, I think it was 80% of the quarterbacks drafted over the last, I think it was five or 10 years. I can't remember the exact number. I mean, it just kind of gives you an idea though. Over the last five or 10 years, 80% of quarterbacks that have been drafted in the first round have started a game by week nine. So, you know, you can set the over under there if you want, whatever it may be. But yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, we've heard, we've heard about Justin Fields. You've seen him a little bit, very limited and obviously, um, and now we're really going to get to see the full experience in terms of is Andy Dalton really going to be that upgrade to where it's going to make sense to sit Justin Fields. And then on the other side of the coin is Justin Fields, all he's built up to be so far. So, I mean, obviously 
you know, the, the buck stops at Justin Fields in terms of like, if Justin Fields is good, then a lot of other things are going to sort themselves out just the same way on the opposite side of the spectrum. If Justin Fields is bad, then regardless of how good the rest of your roster is, you're still not going to be a Super Bowl contender. So obviously everything starts there, but I do think that the quarterback battle as a whole, or I don't even know if I say battle, but the, the quarterback position as a whole and just kind of watching what happens is going to be very interesting. And it's also worth noting that the Bears are, I think, one of very few teams that are going to have all three of their games that are going to be televised live on the NFL Network for the preseason. I mean, that's, I mean, that kind of goes to show you right there. And and Matt Nagy said it. Like Justin Fields is going to get a lot of playing time uh, this preseason. So, I mean, honestly and I could be wrong. I don't really expect to see much of Nick Foles until maybe game three. And even at that, uh, you know, Andy Dalton still got to get his snaps in as well. And, and Matt Nagy has said too, that they plan on playing the starters a decent amount this, this preseason, you know, obviously within reason. So, I mean, it could be a lot of Andy Dalton or, you know, a decent amount of Andy Dalton and a lot of Justin Fields uh, during, you know, training camp and obviously through the preseason. Yeah. And to that point, you know, if, Andy Dalton, for some reason, does start every single game of the season. In a way, that means that he's playing out of his mind and the Bears are probably in the playoff contention and he's just been fantastic. I don't think that's going to happen. I'm with you. I think we're going to see Justin Fields. Um, I think we're going to see him, you know, around that week four or five type mark. Um, I don't, I think he'll have a good camp. I just, I've said it numerous times. I think the bar is set so damn high that the Bears really can't lose in this situation because they are comfortable with Andy Dalton starting. So if Justin Fields exceeds those expectations and beats out that bar, that means, I mean, he's just looked phenomenal in training camp. And if he doesn't, it doesn't mean that he was outplayed by Andy Dalton necessarily. It just means he's not ready to be where they want him to be. And they're so comfortable with Andy Dalton starting week one that they can set that bar really high. I think, you know, it's going to be a fun battle to watch. It'll be something to keep an eye on every single day. And comparing it to last year's quarterback battle, while, you know, Andy Dalton might not be the sexy name and Justin Fields is the rookie with all the potential, I hope it's better than last year's. And, you know, watching Mitch Trubisky and Nick Foles last year was just kind of brutal because it was so mixed. It felt like, you know, Trubisky had the lead from the start, held off a fight from uh, Nick Foles at the end. But with COVID and the limited offseason, I mean, let's be real. It was, you know, despite there was winners of each day, it was just bad football in training camp from the quarterback position. And it was just kind of brutal to watch. Now, looking at this one, I think it's going to be a lot better because I think the Bears are putting that, emphasis on speed in their offense and so far in OTAs and voluntary minicamp we've seen that speed in action and it's more of you know Matt Nagy's offense taking more shots down the field he wants to move the ball he kind of wants that you know that big passing attack and he doesn't want to keep throwing short and throwing these screens as much as fans get on him about it he doesn't like doing that it's just the situations for whatever reason call for that I think we're going to see a totally different offense. I think fans, I mean, we've already seen as reporters them taking more deep shots. I think fans are going to like that in training camp and in, you know, connection with that, it's going to be fun for these wide receivers because I think there's a couple um, good roster battles going on. And I think the wide receiver, wide, wide receiver, I'm sorry, position is going to be a good one to watch because outside of Allen Robinson and outside of Darnell Mooney, 
you have a bunch of guys competing essentially for four or five spots on the roster. And they brought in, you know, the veterans, Marquise Goodwin and Demir Bird as your speed threats. Anthony Miller's back. Um, they drafted Daz Newsome. Um, they have uh, Jester Way. They have Thomas Ives. You know, they have a couple guys in there that are going to be fighting for some spots. You know, Riley Ridley, Javon Wims. And it's going to make for some interesting battles um, at Hellas Hall. Yeah, it absolutely is. I mean, I, I think offensively outside of the quarterback position, I think that receiver is going to be the one that is going to be fun to keep an eye on because while they don't have, you know, the one, two, three punch that some teams have and they don't have, you know, the crazy top in talent like some of these teams have, they also have a lot more depth than they've had in years past. I mean, gone are the days of forcing – Javon Wims out there to play because you have no other options. And, you know, obviously, you know, you, you've got Allen Robinson and Darnell Mooney are going to be your two primary starters. And then after that, it's going to be between Anthony Miller, Marquise Goodwin and Demir Bird. I mean, those are kind of the names where, you know, th those are going to be kind of mixed in for who's going to start at the slot and, you know, who's going to basically take over that number three receiver position where you can slide either Robinson or Mooney in in the slot and have those three receivers out there. And then obviously, you know, you kind of look at it and obviously, you know, with, with Patterson being gone, that's, that's going to be a little interesting as well. Cause you're not really taking a spot there, whether that's at running back or receiver, whatever, whatever they slotted him in at. So now you've got a position battle between basically a group full of guys after your top two, where I, you know, maybe it's just me. I don't think Anthony Miller's spot is 100% guaranteed at this point. I really don't. I, th I think if, if they can I, I find it, yeah, well, I mean, he's, he's on the last year of his deal. I mean, out of all those names I just mentioned, he has the highest ceiling. But again, he's just, man, it's it's the constant mental mistakes that just do him in time and time and time again. So you got, you know, but between all those names, none of those guys are really guaranteed roster spots. I don't think Marquise Goodwin's guaranteed a roster spot. I don't think Demir Burr's guaranteed a roster spot. I don't think, you know, and obviously with Javon Wims and Riley Ridley, I mean, neither one of those guys are guaranteed anything. I think barring injury or barring some crazy showing from a guy like Thomas Ives or Jester Wea or anybody like that, I don't, I, I think basically those those final few spots are going to come down to those names that we just mentioned, and it's going to be very interesting. And obviously, Daz Newsom as well, where I think you know, barring you know, assuming that he's good to go from the the collarbone break that he had, and he's good to go for uh, you know the the training camp and and in preseason. I mean, you pretty much between those names, you've got your starting or not starting, but you've got your five or six guys on the on the depth chart. It's just going to be a matter of who those names are. Now, I'll be honest right now, and I'll say I think that uh, it, as it stands right now, I think Javon Wims and Riley Ridley are the two guys that are on the outside looking in right now. I said the same thing about Wims last year, and I felt like he barely made it. Um, but this year, especially with the added depth, and then you you know you draft another receiver, even though it was later on. I think those are the two names kind of on the outside looking in, and it's going to be very interesting to see. It's like you pointed out the speed factor, especially with a guy like Marquise Goodwin and even with Demir Bird. Demir Bird's not as much of a deep threat. He's more kind of one of those speedy slot guys that you want as an intermediate route runner. But he's also somebody who put up a career year in, with New England last year. And a lot of people say, okay, well, it was with New England. That's not really a surprise. But it kind of was because their offense was pretty bad the majority of the year. Cam Newton really wasn't that healthy, didn't really play that well for the majority of the year. So I think it's going to be very interesting to see how this all pans out because, again, with Allen Robinson playing the rest of his deal or the, the rest of you know, this year on the franchise tag like he is – 
they have a lot of things to get figured out moving into next year. And you could see, let's just say somebody like Goodwin or somebody like Bird ends up showing out. I mean, those guys could be back on, you know, a, you know, a two-year deal, a team-friendly deal where, you know, provide some, provide some depth. And who knows, maybe Anthony Miller breaks out this year and he kind of pulls a Kyle Fuller move where all of a sudden he lives up to his draft potential and he becomes a valued, you know, piece of the puzzle. And maybe they're able to let Robinson walk and get Miller on a cheaper deal. I don't know. Again, I'm just kind of spitballing things out, but there's a lot of questions to be answered with the receivers. But I think versus a spot like corner, where there's a lot of questions and you don't have many answers or even potential answers, I think at least at receiver, you have enough quality depth to where you're not really going to feel bad if you need to start your number four receiver in a game because of an injury. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Yeah, and I would agree. I, I do think Javon Wims and Riley Ridley probably are on the outside looking in right now. I would say more Javon Wims than Ridley. I, I think if one of the two is going to make it, I think it's going to be Ridley. Um for whatever reasons, you know, he has not been able to hit the field at all. And when the Bears took him, you know, they touted his hands, his route running ability. We haven't really been able to see that. Um, you know, I think their best case scenario is obviously Robinson and Moon here locks. I think Miller and Newsom are going to make the roster. That's four right there. Look at the other two that they brought in, Goodwin and Bird. The best scenario for Riley Ridley and Wims is essentially, and I don't want this to happen, would be an injury or the Bears keeping one of Goodwin or Bird. And I don't think that's going to happen. I think Matt Nagy really put an emphasis on the speed, and that's why they went out and got you know a speedy Goodwin and a more quick Demir Bird to add to their offense. Uh, you know, eventually they envisioned Daz Newsom as being their slot guy, the guy that can be you know the, the quick short passes he can turn it upfield, the prototypical slot guy in this offense. Now, that's not going to happen for a couple of years. Because, you know, he's just not ready yet. And then the broken collarbone might be a little bit of a setback. But it's just not looking good for Wims and Ridley. And it's going to be fun to see because I do think special teams is also going to play a part in this as well. Um, Let's not forget the Bears have two spots open, essentially, for return duties. I don't know if Tariq Cohen is going to be fully ready for training camp. Um, And even so, I don't know if they're going to take that risk and put him back there as a punt returner, especially if they can find someone else, you know, someone like Khalil Herbert, who returned punts in college, and Daz Newsome returned kicks in college. Those two add special teams value. So if you're not providing value on special teams and your wide receiver in in this battle, you know, you kind of have an uphill battle to climb. The, The thing that Ridley and Wims do have going for them is they are familiar with Mike Furry. They are familiar with this offense, but they just haven't produced on the field yet. And that's worrisome for Bears fans because we've heard these two being raved uh, and talked about a lot by this coaching staff. Now, another interesting roster battle that is going to tie into this um, wide receiver battle because this is the wide receivers are going up against is defensive backs. And, and you talked about it here a little bit. This defensive back position is uh, filled with question marks because even with Jalen Johnson being your, your, your number one corner, 
he hasn't proven so far that he can stay healthy and be a, play a full season. It's only been one season, but he's had the injury concerns in college as well. That's not even the biggest question mark because the biggest question marks for me are who's going to start opposite of him at DB number two and who's going to start in the slot. And then after that, are you going to be comfortable with any of the other guys if there is an injury? Because I look at this list and to me, it looks like the bears are banking on one of these rookies or young guys in, in Thomas Graham, Kendall Wilder or Duke Shelley to be a complete surprise and break through and be really good. Or they're kind of hoping one of these veterans and Desmond Trufant or Artie Burns or, or a guy like Trey Roberson or Ortiz Tabor to have, you know, a little bit of a career revival and kind of be good enough to hold down the spot. Am I wrong in thinking that? I just think it's just kind of a, it's just almost a cluster at this position bears are rolling <laughs> very dangerous dice right now at the cornerback position man i and i i mean we talked about this and i pointed this out multiple times the bears clearly put a much bigger value on the front seven than they did the cornerback position and it concerns me because you know you talk about a guy in robert quinn who you're hoping is going to bounce back and he basically missed almost all the offseason stuff with a with a back injury you know, and then, you know, behind, you know, obviously you have Cleo Mack, but it's like you start looking at this stuff and you keep Akeem Hicks over Kyle Fuller. Okay, you know, it is what it is. But then you start looking at the cornerback position where you have all this depth on the defensive line. You have decent depth at uh, outside linebacker. You have better depth at inside linebacker than last year. And then you start looking at the corner position. And like you said, I mean, you got Jalen Johnson, who by all means had a successful rookie season as a corner. Corners always struggle as rookies that just is what it is he was up and down i think by and large he was successful the issue being there with jalen johnson is one he's still unproven and two he's coming off yet another shoulder injury this is somebody who's had durability concerns so all of a sudden you have no kyle fuller and now you're hoping that desmond trufant who's been absolutely awful in terms of metrics over the last two years and who hasn't even played a full slate of games like he had, he just to give you an idea, he hasn't even played a full slate of games over a one uh, one season, much less over the last two seasons. So you're talking about a guy that's basically played a little under half the time, right? And you know, then you got Kendall Vildor, and obviously, you know, we had a good talk, you know, about him, and you know, and and he has some potential, in my opinion. I do think that I still think that he's going to be better slotted inside. And then, like you pointed out, they got Duke Shelley, they got Thomas Graham. But again, you know, Artie Burns, but you're throwing a bunch of darts at the dartboard and there's not a lot of surefire answers there. At least, like you said, at receiver, you've got questions, but they're optimistic questions. Now, you know, with, with, with corner, you've got legitimate questions and almost, well, I wouldn't say almost, they are. They're, they're concerning questions because there's not a lot of proven track record there, even with your top corner. And, you know, I, we saw the same thing with, with Minnesota last year where they basically let all three of their starting corners go, and the Bears are going to be without two of their three starting corners from last year's week one with Kyle Fuller and Buster Screen out on the roster. And, again, I'm not arguing with the screen thing. I mean, there's a reason he hadn't signed with the team. I don't think he's going to play again because of the concussion stuff. But, again – we saw a very similar situation last year play out with Minnesota. We're like, all right, we're going to rely on some of these young guys that we've been drafting. And it went up in flames and their defense was terrible last year. Obviously they missed Daniil Hunter for the majority of the year. You know, there were some other things there, but again, you're talking about a bears defense who is going to put a ton of reliance in the front seven, who's been by and large pretty disappointing over the last two years. And they're putting a lot of faith 
and a lot of unknown names at the cornerback position. I mean, to me, especially after they didn't go out and get a guy like Breland, to me, that is probably one of the most concerning spots on the roster. And obviously, there's still some free agent names out there. I think we can probably rule out Richard Sherman at this point, you know, I, and I hope he gets the help he needs. And, you know, that's not a shot. That's just saying that just is what it is at this point. I mean, they're not going to go after Richard Sherman with everything that he's got going on. So really, the only other solid name that I can think of at least the top of my head is Steven Nelson. And he made a tweet that it sounded like at least he was, he was being kind of cryptic, which most players are, but he, it, it kind of sounded like he was going to, you know, he was basically going to have a deal within the next few days. So vice one of, you know, a, a surprise move or something happening. This is what the bears have a corner. And again, it's somewhat concerning because, you know, you, there, there needs to be a focus on the offensive side of the ball, and it's really hard to put an, uh, a focus on the offensive side of the ball in the future when you're getting more and more questions on the defense side of the ball, especially at one of the more important positions on the field at corner where you need to be deep and you need to have probably three or four guys capable of starting. And right now I think you can make an argument that they may have one or two guys capable of starting and then a bunch of question marks. It's, it's concerning for sure. It's very concerning, and I mean, you're right. You're you're spot on about everything. They just don't appear to be valuing the position, or maybe you know, like I said, they think they're hoping or banking on one of these young guys being really damn good and shocking everyone, or kind of a career revival from someone like Desmond Trufant or, or Artie Burns, uh, maybe even Tease Tabor. Who it's his story is wild because. I mean, there was a time he was considered a top five defensive back prospect going into the draft and just kind of started to fall. It's, it's very alarming and, and very concerning. And I keep going back to this in your division. You have Adam Thielen, you have Justin Jefferson, you have Devonte Adams, and then you also likely probably going to have Aaron Rodgers at quarterback to go up against. And, you know, we've seen now, even last year when the Bears had Kyle Fuller and Jalen Johnson, I mean, Justin Jefferson got his, Adam Thielen got his, Devontae Adams is always going to get theirs. And those teams kind of attacked the weakness of the Bears, which was in the slot. Um, I think Johnson and Fuller did a, a solid job on the outside. Um, but, you know, with no legit option in the slot, teams saw that and they were lining up Devontae Adams. They were lining up just, a player like Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen trying to create mismatches. Now, the one thing I will say is, you know, Vilder and Shelley both got some reps last year, um, which should help their cause, but there's still question marks. You're, you're asking a lot from those guys and you're asking a lot from, you know, Desmond Trufant to stay healthy as well. In addition to Jalen Johnson, I, I think Jalen Johnson is going to be fine. I think he's going to take that next step, but even then, I don't even think he's the key this year because even if he's good, if you have two holes on your defense in your secondary like that, it's not good, and with no pressure from Robert Quinn, and if the defensive line's struggling or Cleo Max getting double teamed, and you allow quarterbacks to sit back there long enough, they're going to pick you apart. It's always the the more time quarterbacks have, the advantage goes to the quarterback and the wide receiver because it's harder guarding wide receivers like that than it is, you know, um, if they don't have enough time. So. Yeah, it, it's going to be interesting. I, I think those, for me, are the two primary roster battles outside of quarterback. Um, other than that, though, I, you know, there's are key a couple key players that I am kind of looking at um, to hopefully have big camps, and I, I think two guys behind um, Robert Quinn are going to be very key. I, I think the Bears are hoping that Travis Gibson shows them something, um, shows that he can take the next step and is ready to play meaningful snaps um, in case. 
Robert Quinn is um, is struggling again. He's not healthy because remember he sat uh, he sat out the voluntary or the um, mandatory mini camp and he's had the lower back issue, but you know, behind Travis Gibson or and I shouldn't say behind Travis Gibson, but right there with him is Jeremiah Adichu. And I think those two are going to have to be keys for the bears defense. If Robert Quinn is struggling. Yeah, I agree. I, I, I think at least the depth at, at, on the edge is is better than it has been which is good and obviously you know you're wanting gibson to take that next step forward so that's going to be interesting because again they're putting a ton and i mean a ton of value uh you know in the front seven and and hoping things pan out there and even on the defensive line i mean you want to talk about depth you get eddie goldman back you still got akeem hicks you've got Bilal nichols you've got uh i mean you got angelo blackson you've got mario edwards jr i mean there's a lot of names you got uh kairos tonga so i mean the the depth is there the talent should be there as well i you know i i think as a whole the way that i've kind of figured out a way to just describe this camp and how things, I think there's going to be a lot more competition this year than we've seen in the last few years. And a lot of that's because, you know, contracts are tolling, dead money's going up, guys are getting older. And ultimately the bears are having to kind of piece down, you know, that window that they had in 2018 and kind of reshuffle a little bit and retool in some areas, which is leaving a lot of spots where normally and maybe maybe i'm different than you are on this but usually going into training camp you can usually narrow down i'd say about 45 to 47 spots where barring injury you know those guys are making the roster right there's usually i'd say anywhere from i don't know six to eight players that are you know six to eight spots in the entire roster where you can say okay these spots are actually up for grabs i think this year moving into it I think we're talking more like 10 or 15 where there's going to be a lot of different areas, you know, like we just talked about, you know, even on the offensive line and there's a lot of different battles where maybe it's not the starting battles that are going on, but you have the depth battles and, and who might step up because again, the bears are going to need some of these, these lower round draft picks and some of these other guys that maybe have been sitting on the roster for a year or two as undrafted free agents that, you know, they need those kind of guys to step up. So I think more than anything, again, I'm not as high on the bears as a lot of people are apparently or, a lot of Bears fans are. I think they're sitting as like a seven or eight win team. You know, obviously a lot can change and we'll have to see what happens with Aaron Rodgers. But I do think even outside of the Justin Fields thing, moving into camp and preseason, I think there's a lot to watch for because I think there's a lot of interesting battles. I think there's going to be a lot of interesting depth battles and just a lot of questions to be answered and to see if anybody can really take either the, the you know, the, the next step or just step up in general. And you know, maybe we'll have a few surprises by the time this is all said and done. But I do think as a whole, this is going to be one of the more interesting training camps slash preseasons that we've seen from the Bears in a while, just because of how the roster is constructed and how many questions there are in terms of roster spots. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I do think it's going to be an interesting year in terms of there's going to be more roster spots available and, and there's competition. You know, when you talk about competition, it's not always for starting jobs. I think depth behind um, at certain positions is big too. I mean, in, look at inside linebacker. History shown over the last couple of years, Roquan Smith and Danny Trevathan will both not play full 16 games. Well, this time 17 game seasons and the depth is going to be tested. And behind them, they don't have much depth. They're, they're kind of relying on a, a few guys to, you know, take that next step. 
Look at safety. I mean, their primary um, backup there is Deion Bush. Uh, Jordan Locust, can he offer you something there? I, I do want to talk about one thing before we kind of wrap things up, and I want to get your take on a position on the offense that is obviously going to be a focus and, and going to be the key, and that's offensive line. Um, because I think, you know, Sam Mustafer is going to be one of the keys for me this year, and he's one of my more important bears. And I'll tell you, this is why I know center's a big position, but it's not always, you know, doesn't get all the attention. And, um, you know, some people might disagree with me on this. I, I think Mustafer is important in the, in the way that if he's your starting center and he can hold down that position, like we saw him do at the end of last season, you're not going to have to find a guy or shift James Daniels or shift Cody Whitehair. If you look at Cody Whitehair, he's played a lot better at guard than he has center in his career. And keeping him at his natural position at guard definitely benefits the Bears. James Daniels has been better at, at guard than center. And although he got hurt last year, he's a guy that can come in and you have two stable guards and a stable center. That's a big, big, big difference compared to having a question mark at center, having to move one of the two there and then having a question mark at guard while trying to figure out your tackles. And then at the tackle spot, I, I think there are two question marks. I do think Jermaine Effetti will be better than people think at right tackle. Um, I'm just, I think the tackle spot was one where the bears wanted a change with Leno and Bobby Massey. Um, and obviously that's why they took Tevin Jenkins. And I think Tevin Jenkins would be a hell of a player. There's some concerns there because if Jenkins struggles as a rookie and Jermaine Effetti struggles out there, they're kind of screwed on that on that tackle position. Yeah, well, and I've said this a lot. Um, don't mistake change for being better, right? Don't don't ex- don't don't look at change and just automatically expect improvement. I think that's what a lot of people moving into this offseason wanted to see happen at tackle is any change is better than keeping things the same. And I just, I, I don't agree with that because, you know, Charles Leno Jr. wasn't great by any means. He had his moments where he was pretty good and he had his moments where he was downright bad, but for the most part, he was a pretty average left tackle. Uh, Bobby Massey, you know, probably a little bit below average. I get that they needed to make a change. I understand that. I, I think that any team trying to switch out both of their starting offensive tackles in one offseason is really gambling. It is especially gambling when you have a guy in Jermaine Effetti who, you know, really has not been good at right tackle throughout his entire career. And then you have a guy in Tevin Jenkins who, by all accounts, was graded out as a right tackle by almost anybody that you can possibly think of in terms of draft analysts and, you know, even, even you know, anonymous people from teams have come out and basically said the same thing. So yeah, there's a lot of risk uh, involved at the tackle position. Like you pointed out, I mean, if Sam Mustaver takes a step or even if he stays the same, I think that's going to help at least solidify the interior of the line a little bit, which I think is much needed for the run game. And I think it's also going to be much needed for Justin Fields because he, he struggled a lot more pressure coming from the interior than the exterior, which is pretty common for, for young quarterbacks. So Again, you know, there's a it, it just kind of goes back to there is a lot of competition to put it nicely. There's a lot of competition along this roster and along almost every single position. Uh, you know, when you look at the depth chart, so it's going to be very interesting to see how this all plays out. And you know, obviously, you hope everybody stays healthy and, and health is going to have a part in it, but. You know, assuming that we're looking at all the guys that we're looking at on the depth chart and they do stay healthy, it's going to be very interesting to see how this transitions through training camp, preseason, and into week one and what we're really looking like 
uh, coming into week one. But we got, you know, pretty fun next basically, you know, basically almost two months uh, before week one starts, a month and a half. So it's going to be very interesting to see how a lot of this stuff forms out. Yeah, and I mean, like we said, it's just exciting to be able to talk about uh, Bears football again because there's always that a couple weeks here in the offseason where there's really not much to talk about, and it's just you have to create some content um, and get creative with stuff. But, yeah, I mean, check back with us. We'll definitely have you covered. Um, Aaron and I are planning on recording again after Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy talk on Tuesday. We'll have an episode out that night to kind of recap their introductory press conference to kick off training camp. And then throughout training camp, um, we'll be on, and I'll be also publishing some bonus mini episodes, uh, a couple of minutes long each. And we try to do every day or at least every couple of days for our VIP subscribers, um, kind of just an added bonus on, on how practice went. Um, those won't be too long, maybe 10, you know, 15 minutes of a recap of the day. But if you want access to those, you'll have to be a VIP subscriber. They'll only be available on that form. Um, otherwise, just check back at the Bear Report. We're going to have content pumped out every single day for training camp. Um, notebooks, we'll have analysis pieces, news, um, pretty much everything. And um, yeah, I guess, Aaron, where can everyone follow you on Twitter at? Yep, you can find me at Aaron Lemming NFL, and you can read my work on thebearreport.com. Perfect. You can follow the Bear Report on Twitter at, at Bear Report. Um, you can um, find me on Twitter. I'm sorry, at, at Zach, Z A C K underscore Pearson. And you can read all of our work and everything else on the bearreport.com. Please rate, review, and subscribe to all major podcasting platforms. Till next week, please stay safe. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.